something I've been in my spirit for a while, and I just was very overwhelmed this morning to minister this this morning. So just bear with me. Amen. First Kings chapter 3, verse 1 said, And Solomon made affinity with Pharaoh king of Egypt and took Pharaoh's daughter and brought her into the city of David until he had made an end of building his own house and the house of the Lord and the wall of Jerusalem round about. Now we'll flip over eight chapters where he went from one wife to chapter 11, verse 1 says this, But King Solomon loved many strange women. Together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, the Ammonites, the Edomites, the Zidonians and Hittites, of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, You shall not go into them, neither shall they come in unto you. For surely they will turn your heart after their gods, little g. But Solomon clave unto these in love. And he had 700 wives, princes, and 300 concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. For it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Zidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and went not fully after the Lord, as did his father David. Then did Solomon build an high place for Shemosh, the abomination of Moab, In the hill that is before Jerusalem, and for Molech, the abomination of the children of Ammon. And likewise did he for all his strange wives, which burn incense and sacrificed unto their gods. Why did he begin to worship these gods? Strange wives. And the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart was turned from the Lord God of Israel, which appeared unto him twice and had commanded him. How many times did he come? He cautioned him. And had commanded him concerning this thing that he should not go after other gods. But he kept not that which the Lord commanded. Wherefore the Lord said unto Solomon, For as much as this is done of thee, and thou hast not kept my covenant and my statutes, which I have commanded thee, I will surely rend the kingdom from thee, and will not give it to thy servant. Let's pray.
God, it's with a heavy heart today, Lord, that I stand before you and your people. But, Lord, I know that you desire to talk to us, to warn us, to help us, to shepherd us, and to lead us, not out of condemnation, but out of conviction that would lead us to the grace of God through repentance. Lord, you know why you led me back here today. Because you know every heart that is in this house. And your desire is to come to us and to command us as you did your king, your son Solomon. But God, let the outcome of our life be different than that of Solomon because he didn't heed. But today, God, you have sent your servant to speak to us that we may turn to you today. Let us not intermingle or intermarry that that you told us to depart from. God, help us today. Help me today. You said your word would not return void. God, help me today. Anoint me to relay what it is that you would desire to say in Jesus' name. Amen. We see here in 1 Kings chapter 11 that the greatest kingdom of the known world began to crumble not from external opposition, but from an internal weakness. I'm going to say that again. 1 Kings chapter 11, the greatest kingdom of the known world began to crumble, not from external opposition, but from internal weakness. I look out across this house this morning, and there's many empty chairs. It wasn't because of external opposition it was because of internal weakness, and when we get internally weak, then we allow the external opposition to begin to conquer and have his way in our life. It's on the inside that we must, we must look to God and allow God to begin to deal with our inner man. We're always weak, but if we do not repent and rely on the grace of God in the weakness, then we will give in to the ways of the world and to the attack of the enemy, and we will rebel against the voice of God. Solomon was a man just like you or I, so there was no doubt weaknesses that were in his life, right? He was weak, although he was wise. Although he had everything that you could possibly think, he, re, he built the temple of God. He built his own house. He had Pharaoh's daughter. He had gold. If you look back through the chapters in, in the book of Kings, you'll see the gold that he had. You'll see everything that he had. If you looked at Solomon's life, you would say he had life right where it needed to be. But yet there must have been an internal weakness. There were desires in him that he did not allow God to feel. There was, must have been rebellion in his heart 
Underneath all of the wisdom and all of the church buildings and all of his beautiful houses and all of the beautiful gold, there was no doubt rebellion lying in his heart because God came and warned him two times and he avoided the voice of God and did what he wanted to do. Listen to me, GFCC. And everything that God is doing through this house, let me tell you what the enemy's desire is, to attack internal weakness. You know what the enemy's desire is to do? If this church is going to be strong, it's going to be because of you. But if this church is going to be weak and crumble, it's going to be because of you. We have shared the vision of this church these last few weeks. We have met with leadership. We have done all that I know to do. God is growing us. We're moving forward. There are things that are happening. As we move forward to build a new church, this church in Columbia is about to have a new roof on it within the next month. They'll be meeting in that building. Great things are going on all around the world. You are great givers to Israel and to Africa and to Liberia. And I mean people and places and nations and the local church. You're going to provide Christmas for kids that wouldn't have it and you love one another and you come to the house of God. But in the midst of all of that, Solomon was the wisest man in his time and in the word of God. He had rebuilt the temple for his father. He had his own houses. He had a wife. He had everything that could have been. He had gold. But on the inside of that man, there was a weakness and rebellion. What about us? In the midst of everything going on, the same stuff is there. You may be the strongest people in your physical nature in this house this morning. You may be the wisest man here. You may be the wisest woman here. You may think that you've got life wrapped up by the horns. Be careful. The Word of God says, lest you think you're standing tall, you better be careful. King Solomon, he had everything that should have been. But let me tell you, what begins to open the doors? Can I tell you? The Bible speaks about the little foxes that spoil the whole vine. Do you know what foxes do? They go down to the root system. They don't attack the vine system. Foxes dig down. They dig down what's underneath the surface, not the actual vine. And so when the foxes begin to dig down, they begin to attack the root system. And when the root system don't give life to that that is above the ground, then everything that is above the ground that you see begins to die away. But what the foxes dealt with and destroyed was that that you couldn't see. So what is the enemy attacking? He's not attacking what we all see Sunday morning in church. He's attacking what we don't see through the rest of the week. He's attacking the root system. The little foxes are digging down, and they're attacking everything that's underneath that nobody knows about our life. Some of you are doing things in the darkness that nobody knows. Your wife don't know. Your husband don't know. We'll get there in a few minutes. Are you still with me? Listen to me this morning. There's a great divide in this house this morning. (laughs) There are double-minded people in this house this morning, and I believe that today could make or break where you go from this day forward. 
I believe that. Little foxes begin to spoil the whole vine. If you look back with me to Deuteronomy chapter 17, Deuteronomy 17, verse 14 says this, When you come to the land which the Lord your God has given you and possess it and dwell in it and say, I will set a king over me like all the nations that are around me. Now, you remember whenever um, Adonijah was wanting to take the throne from David when David was ill and about to die? You remember the story in 1 Kings? Adonijah was going to steal the throne. You know, but who did they give the throne to? Who did God's anointing come upon? Came upon Solomon. David said, no, this, this throne don't belong to Adonijah. It belongs to Solomon. Solomon was wise. Solomon's name means peace. Amen. What does the enemy always want to do? Attack our peace. Amen. The scripture says in the book of Colossians, let the peace of God rule in your heart. That word rule means to umpire. It means let it have its final say. Amen. And so we know that Solomon was chosen and anointed by David to be the king, not Adonijah. And so here we know that Solomon is the king. And so here is the principles governing kings. Verse 15, you shall surely set a king over you whom the Lord your God chooses, one from among the brethren. You shall set as king over you. You may not set a foreigner over you who is not your brother. But he shall not multiply horses for himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt to multiply horses. For the Lord has said to you, you shall not return that way again. Verse 17, neither shall he multiply wives for himself, lest his heart turn away, nor shall he greatly multiply silver and gold for himself. Now, why, why would he say, do not multiply? I'm losing some of my place. Why not multiply horses? I'm fixing to tell you. The regulations mentioned in this verse, namely the multiplying of horses and wives, were set up so the king's attention would not be turned from God to reliance on self. You see, Solomon didn't start with wives. He started with multiplying horses. 1 Kings chapter 10. First Kings 10, verse 26. And Solomon gathered together chariots and horsemen, and he had a thousand and 400 chariots and 12,000 horsemen whom he bestowed in the cities for chariots and with the king at Jerusalem. And the king made silver to be in Jerusalem as stones and the cedars made to be as sycamore trees for the vow for abundance. He's going against everything that he was just told as the principle of a king to do. And Solomon had horses brought out of Egypt and linen yarn the king's merchants received the linen yarn at a price. And a chariot came up and went out of Egypt for 600 shekels of silver. <laughs> Who's he relying on? 
He's relying on himself. Before he ever took women to him, he's beginning to make profit on what God told him not to do. Internal weaknesses in the man of God. And a chariot came up and went out of Egypt for 600 shekels of silver and a horse for 150 And so for all the kings of the Hittites and for the kings of Syria, did they bring them out by their means. God specifically commanded that the children of Israel rely on him when it came to military endeavors and not on horses or chariots. So what is Solomon doing? I'm not going to rely on God now. I'm going to multiply me horses so that I'll rely on them. I'm not going to rely on this one wife because there's a desire on the inside of me that wants more. When our desire for more, and I'm not talking about more of God, I'm talking about lustly, we desire more because we're not satisfied or content with what I've got. Paul said, I've learned the secret to be content in all things. Whenever you want more and more and more, you are in a dangerous place and in a scary position sitting in the house of God. I don't care if your name is peace. I don't care how wise you are. I don't care how much money is in your bank account or how many churches you built around the world. Listen to me, GFCC. I'm talking to this preacher this morning. I'm talking to this house this morning. It's not about what the enemy is doing on the outside. It's about what's under the sound of my voice this morning. Some of you have divisive tools in your heart this morning. Not everybody is on board with what God is doing in this house. Some of you are against the very nature and the work of the Holy Ghost in this house this morning. And God knows exactly who you are and he knows where you are. Now listen, it's not my job or my responsibility to begin to call that out. What is my responsibility? is to say that some of you have lust in your heart and not love. Some of you have begun to multiply horses in your own manner and you're relying on other things. Some of you for your 401k means more to you than sowing into the kingdom of God. My title of this message this morning is where your seed being sown. Where is your seed being sown? We've allowed so many things in our life This morning, it's kind of sticky in here. Anybody feel it? You know why? Because there's double-mindedness in the house. Why can't we just come to God's house and worship him? Because I'm too distracted. You know why you can't? You know why God's presence ain't just flowing this morning? Some of you is trying to force it. You know why you're trying to force it? Because you're having to move so many things out of the way before I can ever get in God's presence. You bought too many horses this week. You started multiplying horses this week, didn't you? God told you, don't worry about them horses. I got you. All I need you to do is just come in my presence. But you've been so busy trying to make sure your horses were in order and making sure that you had this horse and this horse because if I get these two horses, then there ain't no telling what we're fixing to see. You see, Solomon began to sow his seed in the wrong place. 
Solomon began to go against the very working and the nature that God told him in Deuteronomy. He said, don't multiply horses, don't multiply gold, and don't marry multiple women. Everything that God warned him, he's going against. Stay with me. Israel's kings would be tempted to amass as much protection as they thought they needed. In doing so, however, their hearts would be turned away from God. The example of God destroying the Egyptians in the Red Sea was intended to show Israel that the accumulating of horses for the purpose of building military strength was unnecessary as long as they trusted exclusively in God. What happened to Pharaoh's horses and chariots? So why would we want to trust in something that God can destroy I said, why would we want to trust in something that God could destroy? I'm talking about just like that. Why would we want to trust in that? Why would you want to to trust in your 401K when I can invest in something that's eternal, but everything that I hold on to is not eternal? Amen. It can be gone just like that. It can be gone. I'm just saying that this morning. I'm, I'm just saying multiplying whatever it is. Whatever you want to multiply to rely on greater than God has become your God. Solomon, it was horses first before women. I'm, I'm just saying whatever it is. It could be your religion. It could be anything. Put on your tie. I, I fought this morning, you know, not wearing a tie. I was like, man, I really didn't have a tie to match this, and I almost just found something totally else. That had been religious of me. You know, but God has dealt with me about my tie. You know, he told me. He said, I'm changing it from being a preacher to a pastor, and so I would dress differently. No man told me to do that. No man ever told me to dress like this. But this morning, I was, man, I was struggling not having a tie. But then I just knew that I couldn't just wear a tie for you that I had to hear God say, it's all right, Jared, if you don't wear a tie this morning. It's okay. And so if you judge me or anybody watching judge me for not having a tie, shame on you. But see, if I'd have put that on, I'd have been relying on a tie to make me a better preacher this morning instead of just relying on the Holy Ghost. You see, that tie could have been a horse for me today. I said that tie could have been a horse for me today. Amen. I'd have been relying on that to get me through. Many of us do that. We cover up what God truly desires to do. I can hide behind this pulpit. It can be a horse for me. And underneath the surface, all kind of things are really going on. The example, I'm sorry, when Elisha and his servant were surrounded by the armies of Aram, God opened the eyes of the servant so that he could see God's army of chariots surrounding the Aramean forces. God was providing his watch care over his servants. God wanted Israel to depend on him, not on what man could do. So we read in Deuteronomy 17, don't multiply horses, don't multiply gold, and don't marry multiple women. We saw in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 1, how did it start? Solomon had how many wives? One. And now we see eight chapters later, how many does Solomon have? (laughs) 
Can you imagine? But King Solomon loved many strange women. This morning, I I want to bring to our attention just a few things, okay? When you move from singular mindset to a several mindset, you're in trouble. When you move from being one mind and one accord to being distracted by so many things and everything that comes in, then you're a double-minded man and you're unstable in all of our ways. We're distracted. There's a lot of distracted people in the church. We're distracted. We want to know why God's not pouring out because we're distracted. Everything else is more important. Let me tell you, I believe that marriages will be right when we can get one mind on Jesus. Because if I can be singularly minded on Jesus, then Jesus is going to tell me what I need to do, going to tell my wife what she needs to do. Our kids are going to get in line. The church will be in line. There won't be no division in the house of God because we'll be one mind and one accord. We're not going to be tossed back to and fro by every wind and wave of doctrine that comes along. I've got my mind made up. I'm going to serve God. And let me tell you what the Word says. It's going to get our mind and our focus and our attention on the saith the Lord. Amen. You know why folks are dealing with depression? Because I'm double-minded. Amen. What does double-minded mean? It means two. Amen. That means there's two. I can't serve God and have two of them. Amen. Well, a lot of people deal with bipolar. I understand that it may be a, 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 a deal that goes on, but how many is by? That is two. I believe if folks that are bipolar will get their mindset on Jesus Christ, then I believe that the blood of Jesus Christ is more than a enough to set that double mind into one mind cord. Amen. I believe that with every fiber of my being. I know some of you is rejecting me right now. You say you don't know what he's talking about. I can tell you where I was at 17 years ago. I know what the doctor said that I was, but I know what my God has called me. When Jesus looks down on me, he calls me his son. He don't say he's my son. I'm not two. No, I'm one. I'm one. But we have to do our part and get focused on him. We make excuses for many people. We make excuses for people and we say, but this. There's a lot of but this. Let me say and end with this. There's too many horses being multiplied. I said there's too many horses being multiplied. And we wonder why it keeps getting darker and darker. Because the horses opened the door for the gold to multiply. And the gold opened the door for 700 wives to come in. You see, the horses didn't carry what the wives carried. I said the horses, they didn't possess the demons that the women possessed. You see, the horses wasn't bowing down to false gods like the 700 women were. I said the horses couldn't possess the demon activity, but the women did. And Solomon, because he allowed the horses to be multiplied, then it just took away the edge of the Holy Ghost moving. 
It just began to numb the Spirit of God a little bit. Oh, well, I'm not going to listen to that preacher today. He just said something about bipolar people that I don't agree with. You just hardened your heart a little bit. Yeah, I said you just hardened your heart just a little bit because you didn't fully agree with what I just said. And you're going to talk about me now, so that heart's just a little bit hard. You just multiplied a horse. I said you just multiplied a horse. (laughs) Now, you said that really wasn't bad, that I'm the wrong one. Maybe that's so. But now you just opened the door for the gold to be multiplied. And now the horses didn't really give you much profit, but the gold began to give you profit in your life. And so now you start seeing some activity that is bringing increase to your life, but the increase that is being brought to your life is lust and not the love of God. It's not the Holy Ghost that is bringing increase. It's worldly affections and the internal weakness that was on the inside of you. It didn't even have to come from the outside because the desire of the more gold was on the inside of you. It was on the inside of you to judge the man of God in the house of God. That desire was on the inside of you. And now you begin to sow seed in the wrong place. And I can tell you that the final result of seed being sown in sin is death. So the horses were multiplied. Now the gold. Now the women. But King Solomon loved many strange women. Strange women. Let me tell you what strange means. A foreigner. An alien. What do you think that looked like? Old King Solomon, intimate with an alien. What do you think about that? You know what else it means? A prostitute. If you look all the way back in the Word of God, it says when a man and woman come together, the two shall be one flesh. So if a prostitute is with a hundred men, she just became one flesh with a hundred men, and whoever the hundred men were two to one were with, all of those just became into her. (laughs) And now what gods have they bowed down to? Now Solomon is coming into 700 We don't even realize what we give ourselves and put ourselves into, do we? (laughs) Because we just, I don't agree with that, Pastor. So let's multiply horses and gold, and now I'm going to open the door for all of these other things to come in. What did he say? I love this. Strange women is foreigners, is aliens, is a prostitute. So many times we start right. But then we begin to let our guard down and we begin to intermarry and intermingle with the things that we shouldn't. And we do that on the inside. Greed, lust, doubt, fear. So many things, you don't agree with something. They begin to come into us. Verse 1 of chapter 11, but King Solomon loved many strange women together with the daughter of Pharaoh. Here's his poor little wife just having to sit back and see it all go on. The one he started with. And you know the good thing about God? You've made a decision eight chapters ago that God was going to be your only one. But now you got 700 more. And guess what God is doing? He's watching every bit of it take place. 
women of the Moabites, the Ammonites, the Edomites, the Zidonians, and the Hittites, of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, You shall not go into them, neither shall they come in unto you. For surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon clave unto these in love. Oh, here goes the Jesus movement right here. Here comes the Jesus movement. Y'all ready for this? Here's where we're living at today. You can't judge them now. We've got to love them. <laughs> Let me tell you, that love movement was a hippie movement. Are you hearing me? I said the love movement was a hippie movement. Oh, yeah, you know what I'm talking about, peace signs. Love everybody. Love everything. If you have love without truth, then you're going to destroy and kill people. You can love somebody, but what did God say to Solomon? Don't you go into them and don't allow them to come into you. You better put a barrier between you and some people and some things. Hey, turn me up a little bit. I don't think people heard me. I said there are some things and some people that you better put a barrier in between and you better not allow them to come into you and you better not go in unto them. That word go into means you get in there and you become intimate. Because let me tell you what you begin to do. You begin to invite what is in them <laughs> Come on. You know what this person's going to do? They're going to start telling me why they believe what they believe. And the first thing is God has already came to me twice and told me not to even be here. So now I've just took myself out of the protection and the position that God has told me to be in. So now that I've come to him, I've invited every demon that's in him to me. The protection of God's grace. Because I'm in rebellion. I've stepped out from where God told me to be. And so now he believes in homosexuality. You're a homosexual. Not really. Listen to me. Listen to me. I'm a pastor. But I'm in rebellion to God. Because God told me not to go here. But I'm tired of hearing all these mean people. You don't have to be mean. <laughs> but religion has pushed me here. And you start telling me why I shouldn't believe what I believe. <laughs> why I should believe what you say and you were born this way. <laughs> and so I start thinking, well, God, maybe you did make him that way. And I just need to become acceptant of that. And so I know what God's word says, that homosexuals, now you're an adulterer. And so, you know what, you just, you and your past wife, you know, or your wife right now, you know, y'all just aren't getting along. So you start telling me that it's okay for you to begin to date outside of your marriage. Because your wife, she just won't get on board with you with God. 
And so now, here I am. Now I'm a pastor, but I'm out of the protection of God. And now he's telling me why he could be in this sin. And I'll say, well, you know, God really didn't mean that adulterers would not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Well, now he's over here. Now he's just got prescribed that legal marijuana. And now he begins to convince me that he's got to have that. And little by little, it just begins to drown out what the blood really cost. And so there's no protection surrounding me. And so here I am. I'm Solomon, and I'm the man of peace, and I was given the throne, and I'm the wisest man that there is in this time. And at one time, I only had one church. I only had one wife. I was anointed, and Adonijah heard about it, and they're like, oh, God. They just anointed him king. There was a breakthrough. But now, oh yeah, we just accept everything. But I began by multiplying horses and gold. And now I'm intermarrying everybody. Oh, you want to join too? Come on. Come on. I don't even know what's on the inside of this person. Seven hundred. Seven hundred. And we wonder why there's not revival. We wonder why. Listen to me. God can't even save somebody when the church approves of sin. I think I may need to say that again. God cannot even save somebody when the church approves of adultery and homosexuality because we have said that it's okay and it's no longer sin. God warned us of this day. He said there would come a day when they would call good evil and evil good. This church is evil compared to the world. They call us evil. They call us demoniacs. They call us crazy. They call the mission field. That pastor's never there. Why do you want to go there? I had a family member say to me the other day, that church ain't fired you yet. I said, no, why? He said, because you're never there. What have we allowed in? And where are you going out? Revival's not running a shout. Revival's when people repent. But instead of the church being the standard that God raises up, we've become the standard that has been lowered and allows everything in. How can folks get born again, Michaela? How do they know to repent if they know not what to repent of? We was talking about a restaurant chain. I don't know if this is true. 
but it says they begin to support things and take away money from Christian organizations. Here's what I was told is they started allowing certain people inside of their booth. And the people inside of that booth began to deal and share their position on their sin. And so it just started dealing in a negative effect upon the people of God. And they started thinking in their way instead of that sinful person thinking in the Christian's way. Why did God say to Solomon, don't go out to them and don't allow them to come into you? He knew that there was an internal weakness on the inside of Solomon's life. He said, Solomon, you may be the king. Solomon, you may be, your name mean peace. Solomon, you may be sitting on the throne. Solomon, you may have built my temple. Solomon, you may have houses. Solomon, you may have gold. Solomon, you may have all of that, but there is a weakness on the inside of you. GFCC, there's a weakness on the inside of us. Many. Many. So what do we do when we feel weak? Well, let me do something new. Let's multiply horses. That'll make me feel better. Oh, I'm doing it for God. Let me multiply gold. I'm doing it for God. I want to give it to the mission field. No, you're not. You don't give 10%. No, you're not. You're doing it to make you feel good. And it's wrong. Jesus, I better hurry. And he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines. And the wives turned away his heart. What did God say would happen? They would do that. God is not a God that he should lie. God said they would turn his heart away. They did. Listen to me. When did they do it? Verse 4. For it came to pass when Solomon was old. Do you know what that word old means? It means to be an elder, one in authority. Elders of the church, listen to me. Board members, pastors, preachers, worship leaders, teachers. You think that any of us are above this? When he was old, when he was a mature man, his heart was diverted from God to women. One in authority, an elder. There ain't nobody here this morning that's exempt from being a Solomon. Where are you sowing your seed this morning? Do we complain about when we ask to sow seed somewhere that you may not understand or agree with? Right there's your first open door to multiply horses. You know what? Well, here's what we do. I don't agree with the way they're doing it, so I'm going to multiply my own horses, and I'm going to build my own church. I'm going to build my own kingdom. I'm going to multiply gold. I'm going to multiply horses, and I'm going to marry who I want to marry, and so I'm going to build my own church inside of the church. (laughs) We kind of do things that we want to do our own way. When he was old, when he was mature.
His wives turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. Here's the problem is that word perfect means complete, safe, whole, and full. Other things took part of his heart away. It was no longer complete. His heart didn't feel safe with the Lord, so he said, I need to do something to help God out. It was no longer full or made ready. Let me tell you something. That word also perfect means to be made ready. And I'm not just telling you this just because it's Sunday morning, but a lot of you this morning, and I get it, you're tired, but that's the objective of the enemy in the last day, to go to sleep. Your heart this morning, many of your hearts has not been made ready to worship God. You know why you're tired this morning? Because you had to feed all your horses before you got here. You multiplied them, now you're responsible for them. And now when it's time to give worship to God, you don't have time, effort, or energy. That's why you can't give your tithe. Because you spend it all in horse feed. Now hear me this morning. God is doing a new thing. I wanted to be so discouraged this morning in this house when I saw who was not here. But God said, don't you worry about that. You preach to who's here. But there's a reason that some are missing. We've got a responsibility to reach out, to love, to do our part. Not just me, you, all of us together. There's a lot of folks multiplying horses, and you may be the answer that would allow them to stop feeding that old life. There's a lot of people that are being swayed right now in maturity. I said maturity. Some folks that aren't here this morning have been walking with God a lot longer than I have. They're mature people, but they've been swayed. There's mature people under the sound of my voice this morning. You can be swayed very easily and begin to multiply horses and gold. Any of us can. We can begin to intermarry and mingle with the wrong people in life. You want to know one of the greatest tools of the enemy is to start bringing people in your life to just begin to sow little seeds in your mind. God told you don't go around them. It's not your job to save anybody. Quit trying to save them. Every time you go to pull them out, they pull you in. And you're drunk, you're high, you're in, you're in bed with somebody, you're doing something you ought not do. It's not your job. His heart became empty. Wasn't complete with God. It wasn't made ready. 
I can tell you, if you don't come with your mind made up on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, you're double-minded. No wonder we can't get broke through. I guarantee you tonight at 6 o'clock in prayer meeting, the carnal things will be out of the way. Who wants God will be here. I'm not saying if you don't come back tonight, you, won't, you don't want God. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying a lot of times people come on Sunday morning only, and you're so carnal. We're so carnal. We got too many horses. We got too many distractions. We can't get broke through to the Spirit. Now it's time that we put away carnal things. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. I can feel it on a Sunday morning. I feel things here on Sunday morning. I don't feel Sunday night, Wednesday night. Because carnality is enmity against God. There is a pushback. Anybody else ever feel that? Or am I just being a mean preacher this morning? I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just telling you what the Word of God said. It's enmity against God. And so people are up here trying to worship God. Well, there's too much carnality, too much flesh, and it's just pushing back to God. Then you got spiritual people just trying to push to God. Then you got fleshly people. Ah, I really don't want to be here. I got horses to feed. I got gold to multiply. I got wives I got to take care. I know I'm here with my wife, but I got five more. I got a text when I get out of church. You know what I'm saying? Maybe your wife is porn. Maybe it's alcohol. Maybe it's tobacco. You're burning up so bad you can't wait just to get out of the house of God. You got to go intermarry with something because you're so carnal. You're not satisfied here. I got to get out of here got to get my fix. I got to let that other wife know, that other husband know. I got to let them know. I was at church, but I can't wait to talk to you. We start intermarrying things in our life. And it takes away from God what God wants to do here. Listen to me. I, man. For it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods and his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God as was the heart of David his father. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Zidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. And I'm going to stop right there for just a minute. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth. Can I tell you why he began to go after this false goddess because he allowed a woman that had that demon in her into him and now the desire for what was in her now has become my desire and so now my mind I'm so strayed and I'm so double minded now I've allowed her to come into me and now I've went into her I've sowed my seed in the wrong place and now I want her God she don't want my God, but I surely want her. And so now I'm going to walk right out of the will of God, and I'm going to begin to build an altar to her God. Listen to me. Not only is he going to build an altar to her God. Now hold on just a minute. What was her God? The Ashtoreth God, little g, is astrology or sexual immorality, perversion. Sexual female fertility goddess. 
So what does she bring into him? I wonder why pornography, some of you are in the house of God and you're trying to worship this morning, but you got too many thoughts in your mind that are unpure and ungodly that you looked at all night when your wife went to bed last night. When your husband went to bed last night, listen to me just a minute. 12% of all web pages are pornography. People that look at porn look at porn 11 to 12 hours a week viewing online. Average exposure to porn now is 11 years old, 93.2% of boys and 62.1% of girls see porn before they're 18 years old. So why don't we just intermingle with whoever we want to? Mamas and daddies, just let whoever want to come to your house and stay. We get our feelings hurt because we don't allow our families or our children to intermingle with certain people. Because not everybody is going to hold the standard of God. God says, do not intermarry, but Solomon, oh, they go to church. They sit on a throne. Their name is peace. They were anointed. Are you hearing me? (laughs) He's the most wise person, the greatest singer, the best preacher, the best deacon. They give more money than anybody, but I don't know what my children are doing. Listen to me. 40 million Americans say they regularly visit porn sites, and one-third of that population is women. Listen to this. This wrecked me. Sunday is the most popular day of the week to view porn. Wonder why? Oh, that church started intermarrying, brother. We don't invite them to come to church no more. Just stay home and watch your porn. Our church lasts too long. You don't want to go over there. Just stay home and watch your porn. We want to be out. We don't want to invite nobody to the house of God nowadays, do we? Because I'm too afraid. Just stay home on Sunday and watch your demoniac porn. It's all right because I can tell you porn on the TV ain't going to be good enough before long. Now they're going to be coming after your husbands and wives. They're going to be coming after your sons and daughters. They're going to be coming after them. And it's going to turn into sexual perversion. It's going to turn into child molestation. It's going to turn into homosexuality. Because let me tell you, the final and the end result result of the seed of sin is death. We don't invite nobody to church. Stay home and watch your porn. Why don't, when's the last time anybody invited somebody to church this week? Raise your hand if you did. A lot of hands are down. Stay home and watch your porn. It's all right. That church, that preacher, he, you probably really won't like to go there anyway. So it's long. Ah, I'd hate to ask anybody to come to our church. Stay home. It's all right. The church starts intermingling with perversion. The Ashtoreth goddess. Oh, I allowed her to come in. Now what? She was pretty. She told me she was a Christian. But God told me not to do it. 
I don't care what she said or he said. What did God say? And he said, I warned you twice, and I commanded you two times not to do it, but you did it anyway. And now you're worshiping their God. Check this out. (laughs) Out of the whole year, you know what the most popular day is to watch porn? Thanksgiving Day. Thanksgiving Day. Family Day. Oh, that family, brother, started intermingling. (laughs) Started intermingling. It ain't a bad day. Ain't a big deal. Come on. Don't be mean to them people. Let it all in. Just accept everybody and everything. Don't y'all know what we do? You'll grow. You'll multiply. You'll increase. Listen to me, church. It's time that we be watchmen on the wall. I know this isn't popular this morning, but God wants to talk to us. We've got work to do. There are weaknesses on the inside of us. Some of us, under the sound of my voice, we're intermingling and intermarrying with some of the very things that I'm talking about. And we wonder why God is not moving. We're too fleshly. Let God purify us. He goes on to say, Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Zidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. I just want to talk to you just briefly about these gods. Can I just a minute? The Moabite God, lower G, and I may not say this right, okay? Y'all just bear with me. Shemosh, C-H-E-M-O-S-H. That word in the Hebrew means a destroyer and a subduer. What does the enemy come to do? Steal, kill, and destroy. What's the first thing that it does? Hey, I'm allowing you into my life. Now I'm going to subdue you. (laughs) Come on over. And your intention the whole time, here's what many of us do. All Paul said, to become like the Jew, to reach the Jew. And we take that scripture on ourselves and we start going into everybody everywhere. Oh, I got power. I'm going to win them all to the Lord. I'm going to go right up in that crack house. And boy, I used to smoke crack, but I don't know more. God's been so good to me, and God wants me to do what Paul said and just be a crack, just be like the crack addicts to the crack kids. And I'm going to win them all to the Lord. And next thing you know, five minutes later, you're in there smoking crack. Well, I'm going to go down there to that religious church that God brought me out of. <laughs> I'm going to go up in there and I'm going to do, I'm going to just win them all. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're not their salvation. If the Holy Ghost can't get them out of that, you surely ain't. If we're not, if, if the Holy Ghost can't change people's mindset, who are we? You know what our responsibility to do is? Is to get people here. Invite people to the house of God. Don't go to the devil's playground unless God tells you to go. 
the subduer and the destroyer, when we begin to allow and intermarry and intermingle with things God told us not to, their purpose is to destroy our life. Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and went not fully after the Lord. There's that half-heartedness. How many of you is half-hearted this morning? A lot. I felt it in worship. I thank God for who was down here. And I'm not trying to prime anybody up. No, that's not my job. If you're not down here, that don't mean you're half-hearted. But there was a lot of half-heartedness. You feel it. I'm not mad at you. I got to be wholehearted. I don't know about you, but I know what I got to be. Then did Solomon build a high place for Shemosh, the abomination of Moab, and the hill that is before Jerusalem, and for Molech, the abomination of the children of Ammon. The Ammonites were Lot's sons, and they were born of incest with his daughters. So now Solomon is intermarrying with people that were born out of incest. But God told him, don't do that. We wonder why we're living in such a perverted generation. Because we've allowed everything in. I love this. The Ammonite land is known for a land just short of the promised land. Just short of the promised land. The Ammonites are in regards as the perpetual enemy of the Israelites. Come on in. Although you're the king of the Israelites, just come on in. I know you're an enemy of my people. Perpetually, continually, they are the enemy of the very people that he was king of. But come on in. You know what? It would hurt me to know that some of you became friends to my greatest enemy. But you know what some people would say? Well, aren't we supposed to love everybody? Yeah, you love everybody. But some people you love from a distance. If you just walked out of here and went to another church and you just tell me, well, just go. Lord told me to go. Well, let me tell you what, as a shepherd, God will tell me too that you got to go. And when you go, and the Lord ain't confirmed that with multiple people because the Word says that, I'm not saying you always agree on everything. That hurts, but you know what you say? Well, just get over it. It ain't about you. You're right, it ain't. But that's the way that the church world functions today. Just get over it. I'm going to intermarry who I want to, and so we leave church, we church hop, and we just take everything that's within us to that church, to this church, to that church, to this church. Oh, we go from this church pastor and that church to pastor, that church worship leader, that church worship leader. Everywhere you go, you're just sowing seeds. Ain't nothing ever pure. Ain't nothing ever godly. The subduer, the destroyer, we're an enemy of the work of God, but we do it all in the name of the Lord. I'm about to close. Brother, are you playing? You got to. Ain't nobody else here. He said he joined with the Amalekites, Amalek, 
comes from behind people. The word Amalek means that that licked up in the valley. When you were in your valley, the enemy of the Ammonites, Amalekites, just licked you up. You know why? Because you were sick and you were feeble and you were no match for the enemy, so all he had to do was just lick you up. But you allowed that enemy in your life. The spirit of the Amalekite comes from behind to those that are weak and feeble. You don't see them coming like a Jezebel spirit. They come from behind. Jezebel's in your face. The spirit of Amalek is behind you when you're sick, when you're weak, when you're feeble, and it tries to take you out. Now listen to me, this world we live in. The God of the Ammonites was Molech. The Ammonites would not allow the Israelites to pass through their own land. And the God of the Ammonites, little g, is Molech. And it's a Canaanite God associated with child sacrifice through fire or war. We wonder why there's so much abortion going on. Because we just lay with who we want to lay with. We just mingle with who we want to mingle with. We just intermarry who we want to intermarry with. Now listen to me. What I'm about to say is very precious to me because I'm talking to me. You're looking at somebody, three abortions. So what I'm saying is not lightly. But I'll never, ever forget that woman looking at me standing as I was standing in the front door of a house. She was on that front porch. Her daddy was here to take her to Pensacola to have an abortion. And she said, why would I have a child with a crackhead? That was her exact words to me. I can take you to the place in Cottondale, Florida, looking at 231. And if Jesus hadn't have touched my life, I couldn't tell you that. But I was laying with everything that you could think of. Going out, coming in. This God of Molech, child sacrifice, what is it now? They just approved that law? They can be born? Is that right? Is that right? What it is? Born up to, born at birth. Then the parents have the decision to worship this God of Molech. Through fire or war. You know what the war is? I don't know if I want the responsibility and commitment to raise a baby. So if not, just inject it and kill it. I wonder if they gave a knife to the mom and daddy and said, you kill it. I wonder if the world would change. I wonder if hearts would change. If consequences to sin were immediate, would we change? Would we repent? If the sin that you're in right now, if the consequence was immediate, 
and you didn't have a church like this to come to where the Holy Ghost is moving and it makes you feel better in your soulish man to get kind of in the flow a little bit, but when you walk back out, you feed that fleshly man. If the consequences of your sin were like Ananias and Sapphira, you lied to the Holy Ghost, you fell down dead right here. If there was a fear of God in the house of God, don't you think people would repent? But there is no fear when you accept everything we talked about. We just stroke it and say, but we're to be Jesus to everybody. It don't make room for people to repent. We as the church have done that. We've lowered our standard. We argue truth. We argue holiness and righteousness. We combat everything that comes from here. If I've lied to you today, come talk to me. If I've lied to you about anything that I've studied for the last month, come talk to me. I'll sit down with you with the Word of God. I'll be glad to. I'm not a scholar. I didn't plan to preach this this morning. I wanted to preach something exciting. I didn't have this. It's been in my heart for a month. God knows. I want to see revival in this church. But God can't. We'll keep losing. You'll keep drifting. But somebody will keep walking with God. I said somebody's going to keep walking with God. At some point, we got to get back. We, we got to be honest from this pulpit. We got to tell the truth. We got to quit doing and going against what God said not to do. God came to Solomon two times and he said, don't do it, Solomon. Don't do it. That's grace. Say, Jared, I thought you were a preacher of grace. I am. I'm a preacher of Jesus. And if I preach Jesus, I preach grace. If I preach Jesus, I preach holiness. If I preach Jesus, I preach righteousness. When you preach him, you can't just preach one thing. you got to preach him. I tell you, I do preach grace this morning. My God, the grace of God came to him two times. And he said, Solomon, you're a king. Solomon, you're anointed. Solomon, you're wise. Solomon, don't do it. You've got a wife. You've got a temple. You've got a home. You've got gold. You've got horses. Why do you want more? Why? I ask you this morning, why do you want more? When we want more of everything else, we want nothing to do with God. Solomon's ability to want a relationship with God was gone. His heart was not perfect. It was not complete. It was not full. And it was not made ready. It was made ready for 700 women, though. It was made ready for the Ashtoreth God. It was made ready for Molech. Because he began to build altars to them and bow down to them. He wasn't doing anything to worship God. What are you bowing down to this morning? Your heart's made ready for something. Some of your heart's made ready to get up out of here. Your heart will be made ready for something. 
I promise you. But if our minds would be on one God, I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel there's a war going on for this church right now. And I have felt it for some time. There's a war. Some of you aren't completely settled being here. And that's all right. But it's not all right as we move forward. Because when your heart is not made ready to be here, it'll be made ready for outside of here, and it causes distractions. And I'm going to just be honest. I'd rather pastor this church with ten people's hearts who are made ready than a thousand who are divided. If your heart is not made ready to be here, repent or ask God, where do you want me to be? There's a war going on over this house in the heavens. I feel it. I see it. We're going back to Bethel. you go on and read the rest of that chapter God is a God of grace God spared Solomon's life over the seed that was before him David sowed the right seed Solomon didn't (laughs) and I thank God that there's a covering of our father over this house In the midst of some Solomons here, this is still God's house. And this church will be and do what God said do. Just like God spared because of David, because of God, God's going to spare this house. But there are some that are intermingling this morning with false gods. I don't know why I drove pornography home so hard this morning and felt led to look all that up, but God knows. It's one of the most demonic influences that can be in a person's life. I was eight years old riding a bicycle down to the railroad trestle the first time I seen a pornography magazine. And I remember it just gripping me. I remember in my addiction at Ryan George's house, we had cameras all around our house. We had two TVs set up. 24 hours a day, there was a TV with pornography. And there was a TV with cameras. It had me. It had me. Sexual sin, perversion, whoever it was, I went out, they came in. Perversion. So much of this is in the house of God. And it's not taught, preached. The truth is not spoke because we're ashamed or afraid. 
But you cannot be right with God and have adultery, fornication, sexual sin in your life. You can't be. You cannot. None of us can. I tried it. This morning you've built an altar to the wrong gods. You can have it all together this morning, but I'm telling you, God didn't come for those that are all together. He came to seek and save that that was lost, that that was a wreck, that that was addicted, a mess. If Solomon just one time would have said, I do want 700 women, but I know I can't because God told me no. I do want to multiply horses, but God said no. I do want more gold, but God said no. What is that bleeding of sheep that I hear in my ear? God told me we were buying and selling bucking bulls, and it was great. Man, we're giving more here to the church, and I've never even said this. But Stephen Taylor would walk by me and he'd say, Jerry, what is that bleeding of sheep that I hear in my ear? Yeah, but he don't know. We just sold a bull for $7,500 and $10,000, and we're giving more to the church than we ever have. And can I tell you today, I'm owed over $10,000 that I'll never see. I'm left with a debt that I'm going to have to pay because I let myself and my flesh on something that was good to continue to intermingle and multiply gold and horses. God was saying, stop now. You'll get out and won't know a thing. But it's too good. We're blessing the church. God knows. But I'm thankful that today I can tell you I'm free. I'm thankful that, you know what? God taught me, and he is. Every time I make a payment on that, God's teaching me. Remember I told you not to do that? <laughs> make another payment. Remember I told you not to do that? I bet you'll know next time, won't you, son? Yes, Lord, I will. Make another payment. I call them people that owe me money. They won't answer me back. They don't care. They don't care. God said, it ain't up to them. You make another payment. Don't intermingle this morning. Every head bowed and eye closed.